Bibles to the book of James, the book of James. And we'll stand when we get to James, James 1. We'll be reading the first seven verses to give honor to God who has given us this, his word from James. We'll stand and as we read James 1 through 7. This is God's holy and infallible word. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray together. We thank you, our glorious Lord, for this, your word, as inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would help us to grow in wisdom, to grow in endurance, in patience, in godliness, and the fruit of your Holy Spirit, by the means of this word, help us to believe and receive. And we pray that you would give us that wisdom from above. But we ask it all in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I have to believe that there is a priority of things that we ask God for. Um, not everything in life that is bene- that we can have that is lawful is beneficial. However, in, in this particular text, James ends up starting with what he thinks are some of the, the absolute most foundational things that a believer should ask for in this life. And we'll look at some of those in a little bit. Um, in Verse 1, James gives his identity along with his intended audience. He says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. You might say one who is called to the gospel is someone who is to be esteemed or exalted. But what does James call himself? A bondservant, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that as even the brother of our Lord Jesus, this James submitted himself as a slave to his own brother who was revealed to be not only man, but God-man, born of Mary, yet without sin the eternal God who dwelt in the flesh. And James says, I am a servant 
I am a bondservant, a slave of Jesus. And we'll notice that as we study this epistle of James, this what we call a general epistle, uh, which is to be given to all of the churches abroad. It says there in verse 1, given to the churches abroad. It is an, a general epistle that is marked by the humility that each of us need as we approach the triune God. Um, I'm, I'm doing this uh, as a series through the book of James. I don't plan on going too fast with it, but I do plan on trying to be as thorough as I can. And I do want to notice one thing that it does say the, twi- the 12 tribes who are disper- dispersed abroad. When we look uh, in the book of Acts, you remember there was a time where the church was being persecuted. And one of the results of the church being persecuted is that the people that were then cast abroad and spread abroad. And that was actually used by God in his furtherance of the Holy Gospel. The main thing that we are to notice in tonight's text is that you are to seek endurance and wisdom from God. You are to seek endurance and wisdom from God. And we'll see this in in two main points. Seek endurance through testing and also pray in faith for wisdom. Pray in faith for wisdom. Let's look first at this seeking of endurance through testing. Verses 2 and 3. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, maybe when you're looking at my outline, you might be saying, well, Kevin, are, are we to be going out and actively seeking testing and trials? Do we have to be actively pursuing those things? That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what this text is saying. But this text is telling us that we will inevitably encounter trials in this life. It's a given fact that trials in this life will come to each and every one of us. Um, what's the origin of trials? Well, we probably we wouldn't have the trials that we do if it wasn't for the fall of our first parents. Because of the fall of our first parents, we have illness, pain, injury, disability, weakness, suffering, and even death. And not one of us, even a believer, can escape some of these trials that come about to us because of the fall of our first parents that brought us into an estate of sin and misery. That's what happened because of our first parents. Now, I enjoy my work serving in the church. Um, maybe some of you as well love the work that you do. However, God told Adam that there would be a curse in labor. It's found there in Genesis three seventeen through 19. He says this, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face, and you will, by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. Now, 
Okay, you might say, well, I don't work in the ground. I don't work in the dirt. I don't deal with thorns and thistles. So how does this apply to me? Well, maybe you work in the medical field. And um, you prescribe medicine to your patients. They don't listen to you. They don't do the treatments you recommend. And then later on, they're blaming you because they got ill. That's the thorns and thistles and trials and toils of those who work in the medical field. Uh, when I was doing paperwork, um, I would spend hours, sometimes in that uh, an office back over here, I would do hours and hours of paperwork, and the programmer who did our online documentation software didn't think that you should have an auto automatic backup system involved. And then sometimes the internet would go off, and you would lose a couple, of, you might lose an hour or two of work, and you'd have to redo it all again. That's the thorns and thistles and trials of, of the medical profession. For teachers, you deal with an unruly kid in your class, you try to discipline them, and then next thing you know, the, the parent is taking the side of the disobedient child and breathing down the teacher's neck and, and calling the principal, complaining to the principal. That's the thorns and thistles of the education system, along with the grading papers and, and all the other such things. There's toils and trials in this life because of the fall and the curse of the fall. So since trials, troubles, are inevitable, they can't be avoided, James tells you, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Verse 2. <clears throat> the reason you can consider trials as a source of joy is because Scripture teaches that the testing of your faith produces endurance. James says this, but the whole of Scripture tells us this as well. Uh, there's only a few passages I'm going to give, but this is a thing that we find throughout the Old Testament that is rich. Um, just a couple of them I'm going to give here is that David concluded Psalm 139 by saying, Search me. O oh God, and know my heart. Try me, you could say test me, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. That's Psalm 139 at the end of the psalm. Um, this man, after God's own heart, David, also wrote this, Psalm 26.2, Examine me, O Lord, and try me, Test my mind and my heart. David was tested multiple times in his life. And, and there's the, the failing of Bathsheba, but there's also the failing toward the end of his life uh, of counting the Lord's people. Um, he failed some of these trials, and God tested him. But in the end, he repented. And, and I believe we'll see David in glory. But even David was asking God to test him and to try him. So, now what about Job? Job didn't go asking God for testing, but God tested him anyway. God tested Job as well, as we, we find out that's the main focus of that particular whole book of Job. But then God allowed his servant, Job, to shine forth even through the midst of testing. And that testing in Job produced endurance and much fruit in the life of Job. 
So again, the question is not if you will be tested. The question is when God will give you testing. Now, the person of faith who undergoes testing while guided by God's word and spirit will grow in endurance. Look at verse 4. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So other translations here have the word steadfastness or patience in verse 3 and verse 4, but endurance is a very good translation. By the way, if you're wondering, uh, this is actually a slightly different word than used in the fruit of the Spirit. When we look at the fruit of the Spirit, and one of the, one of the fruit of the Spirit is listed as patience, that's a different word. This word has to do more with endurance. The, the word in Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit is more of long-suffering, being able to suffer long, but this one's more of enduring. Okay? Think about this. Metal, if you, you have two types of swords, you take metal and you melt it down and you pour it into a mold and you, you have a sword that's just poured into this mold. After it's cooled down, it's sharpened. Then you have another type of sword, like the Japanese would make, where they would pour that metal into that mold and elongate it and then they would hammer it and hammer it and hammer it and fold it over 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 and hammer it and stretch it out. And then they would make this sword with that hammered steel. That's also the, how they did Damascus steel. It was folded steel that was hammered over and over again and heated and tempered to be a stronger instrument rather than just that sword that's just poured into a mold. The one that endured the pressure, the heat, the folding, and the, the hammering is a much stronger weapon and that's what happens with us we become stronger through testing and trial um, muscles when you work out your muscles will not grow in strength unless you test them and you work them to the point of near failure and that's the same illustration here we build endurance by trial by testing and that's what god uses to produce endurance in us to make us stronger um, jane um, actually paul uses the same sort of instruction in romans 5 would you turn there please but when paul uses this instruction he pairs it with the gospel he starts off with the gospel james chapter 5 verse 1 I'm sorry. Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our instruction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about 
perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So he begins with the gospel. And then he, he says the same thing that James is saying here, that tribulation builds patience, patience, character, and character, hope. And this hope does not fail. <clears throat> A practical way to look at this is what happens to an individual who suffers trials. Maybe you know someone who's a church-going person and they suffered a trial, they suffered some great calamity, maybe they, they, they lost a loved one, maybe they lost a business, um, maybe they lost their home, whatever it is it might be, they end up later on turning away from the faith. Maybe they say something like this, well, if God was good and God loved me, he wouldn't have let X, Y, and Z bad things happen to me. Now, some people do that. But the endurance that we are to have here is that even when trial comes, even when trouble comes, even when suffering happens, even when illness happens, even when death of a loved one happens, through all that suffering and testing and trial and pain, we still cling to God and His Word. I think that's the endurance that James wants us to have. You know, the, Peter asked this question, well, to whom else should we go? You know, when, when, when you don't know what to do and things, things go awry, to who else should we go but God? And I think that's the endurance that we should have. Now, using the agricultural illustration, for those who win the heat of the day, the sun baking, the, maybe the cold, maybe a drought, and the plant just withers away because it can't take the changes in climate. And the, you know, that's like a person who's not rooted in the gospel. But when we're rooted in the holy gospel, when we're steadfastly rooted in the gospel, when the trials of life come, when the heat of day comes, when the wind and the blight and all these things happen, we don't wither away, but we continue to persevere on and endure even through the sufferings and trials. Because we've been made strong by the trials that have helped us to get those roots, those roots going down deeper into the soil. I believe James and Paul both would say that God's people are to cling to him and his word like a tough, hardy tree planted by rivers of water which yields its fruit in season and does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Psalm 1, verse 3. That's the perseverance that we ought to have, the endurance that trials should bring. So having witnessed this means of growth in necessary patience, let's look next at praying in faith for wisdom. Brothers and sisters, you ought to pray in faith for wisdom. Verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, 
and it, that is wisdom, will be given to him. Now, <clears throat> keep in mind that God is the ultimate source of wisdom, and if you ask him with faith, he will give you the storehouses of wisdom. Now, it's, it's kind of interesting here. James opens up with a contingency, but I believe the answer for this contingency is implied. A contingency is an if statement, right? So he says, but in if, you, if any of you lack wisdom. I think what's implied here is really all of us lack wisdom. Isn't it true that all of us, if we use Scripture to interpret Scripture, all of us, even the greatest theologian, lack wisdom and need to seek God regularly for his guidance. <clears throat> Who among us or what Christian would ever say, I don't need God's wisdom. I, I don't lack wisdom and I don't need to ask God for wisdom because I don't lack it. I, I don't, I'm not lacking in wisdom. Who would say that? Okay. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. If we are wise in our own eyes and say that we don't need wisdom, we are foolish. Uh, let's look at Proverbs regarding the absolute necessity of wisdom. Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2. Here is wisdom personified as a, as a woman, um, a beautiful, glorious woman and and. Uh, Proverbs 2, verse 1. <clears throat> Solomon says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasures. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Again, that's contrasted to the one who thinks he's wise in his own eyes and won't seek God for wisdom. So knowing that you should go to God, knowing that you should seek God for wisdom... Because you do lack it, and I lack it. All of us lack wisdom. It says that when you ask in faith, God gives to all generously and without reproach. You, you wonder, well, what, what's this talk about reproach in asking God for wisdom? Reproach here can be translated as insult or even a reprimand. Have you ever asked someone a question 
And maybe you were just kind of a little off that day and you weren't thinking clearly and you asked someone a question that maybe the, the answer should be obvious. And instead of just getting an answer, the person looks at you like you're stupid. I've been there, done that. Because maybe you should have known better to even ask the question in the first place. But sometimes when people are highly intelligent, they look at you like you're stupid when you ask a question that you think they, they think you shouldn't be asking. That's, that's someone who treats you with insult and reproach for even asking. God's not like that. When you ask God for wisdom, He doesn't like insult you or look at you like you're dumb. If you ask in faith and you ask believing, He will give you wisdom because God is loving and merciful and generous and kind and gracious. He's a loving Father who seeks to give good gifts to his children. He doesn't treat you with insult or reprimand for asking. He wants you to ask for wisdom. Now, when you pray to God and you ask him for wisdom, you need to do so with sincere faith, according to verses 6 through 8. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Before we get to all of the language here, as we learned earlier, that part of gaining wisdom is a long process wisdom we talked about this morning in Sunday school wisdom is more than just well first of all let's make a distinction between wisdom and knowledge you could know a ton of facts but unless you know how to integrate those facts and put them together and apply them that's not wise um, even scriptural knowledge. Um, there was a professor named Dr. Moses Silva who was talking about receiving a lecture on the, what the, the theology of the Apostle Paul was. He sat through this long lecture this professor was giving about the glorious doctrines that Paul taught concerning the gospel, concerning justification, concerning all the wonderful doctrines of the New Testament. And then after when his heart is inspired by this message, he goes, he, he, he listens to some students who go up to the professor and the professor says he doesn't even believe that. The professor has a lot of scriptural knowledge, but he's not wise because he doesn't even trust and believe in God's word to be true. Can you imagine that? You could, you know, you're a professor of the New, of the New Testament and you're, you're teaching people of all, all this knowledge of what the scriptures teaches well, that's what Paul teaches, but I don't necessarily believe that. <laughs> now, knowledge over time with experience, again, this takes a while. For some, it might take years. Knowledge with experience is what produces wisdom. It takes years for most of us. This steadfastness or endurance is what you need to grow in wisdom. So when we pray for steadfastness, endurance, that will help you to grow in wisdom as well. And we have to ask God for that 
endurance as well, um, to grow as well in wisdom. Now it says here to ask um, without doubting. You must ask God with a hopeful anticipation. Now I included some verses there from Hebrews 11. He says that we to have faith when we ask. What, what's faith? One of the best defi- definitions of faith is found here in Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2 at first. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. And then verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he comes he who comes to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him now if there's something that you feel incapable of because you lack wisdom or maybe you lack some other attribute in your life that you desperately feel like you need in order to exercise your calling in this life ask god with an assurance that he hears you and that he will answer and provide. That's what James is teaching here. You're asking God, believing that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Pray that he will reward you with endurance, with wisdom, with the fruit of his spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we're going before God and we're praying to him, and we're not trusting in him. We're praying, but we're not trusting. It says that we are like the surf of the sea, just making a bunch of foam. And when the waves hit the sea, it just it's making a it's making a bunch of foam. It's not really accomplishing anything or going anywhere. The waves hit the hit the shore and go back to the ocean. They hit the shore and they go back to the ocean. They're not going anywhere or doing anything except just causing some erosion. Or, in, or maybe it's like someone driven, tossed to and fro by the wind. They're trying to get somewhere, but they're, they're going left, they're going right, they're flying around, they're tossed around. They're aimless. But that's not what God wants from us. He wants us to ask in faith, believing, trusting that He is the God who is the rewarder of those who seek Him. James here warns us against a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. An example of this is uh, the person who goes to church and maybe even has a private devotion, yet the rest of his life is inconsistent with his profession of faith. He's, He's one way at church and he's another way among his friends, or she acts one way to, to impress the church people, but then when she's among her own friends, she's acting a total different way. Well, who is the real person? Who is, what is she really like? You can't tell because she's two ways. She's one way this way and one way that way, and she's, she's trying to be all things to all people because that person is double-minded in all her ways or in all his ways. You can't ultimately be a people pleaser and one who seeks to please God. God 
must be first in your heart and mind. You must fear God ultimately. He must be your greatest object in your heart and your mind rather than what people want or pleasing people. You must fear God ultimately, and that is the greatest source of wisdom. When you ask something, don't ask for it for your own selfish ends. Ask for it for God's glory and for His pleasure. Again, brothers and sisters, you are to seek some of these foundational attributes of a Christian. Endurance. That also translates steadfastness. Being able to stand in the midst of trials and still cling to God even after the worst has happened. But also wisdom which comes from above, which alone comes from our glorious God. Ask in faith, believing, and God will give it to you. But ask in Christ's name, trusting in that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Key there is being diligent in pursuing and seeking and expecting by faith. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this, your word, and we do pray that you would help us to be those who seek you with a sincere faith, trusting that you are our loving God and that you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Help us to remember that you who gave us your only begotten Son to suffer and die for sinners such as us, if we ask in faith, how much more so will you give us all things necessary for this life? For you, O God, who did not withhold your only Son, but gave him up for us all, how much more so will you give us all things necessary? Give us this wisdom, give us this perseverance, this steadfastness, and help us to grow in our love for you and our appreciation for all that you have done. And help us, we pray, to live not for ourselves, but for our blessed Lord Jesus who suffered and died for us and was raised for us. For we ask all these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, Let's stand and sing 533, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. Uh, 533.